Hello and welcome to Football 360. Before I move on to this week's guest, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's helped me so far with the production and promotion of uh, Football 360. Uh, I started it with the intention of just sharing some content uh, to see if a few people out there liked it. I would be talking football anyway, as most of you know, um, but it's um, it's been really well received. Uh, I've had so much help and support, suggestions, introductions to people who could be potential guests in the future. Uh, and I really do appreciate everyone's support on it. I'm going to continue to do it. I don't think it's going to make me a rich man. I don't think it's going to make any money, um, but that wasn't the intention. The idea was simply to, to put something out there that a few people would enjoy. Um, and uh, based on the feedback I'm getting, I think, I think that's the case. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, but most of all, I just want to say thank you. This week's guest is uh, Mike Morton. Mikey is a great guy, former teammate of mine and uh, has been a coach for um, an awfully long time now, for one who's, who's not even 40 yet. Um, he's worked at Man City, um, worked at Leeds before that, set up his own academy um, in York, which he subsequently sold uh, to Eye to Eye, who are a really successful uh, brand now in, in, in football. Um, and uh, he's also worked in the semi-professional game as a coach, as a joint manager, as a manager. Um, probably made a, quite a few mistakes, I guess, as a, as a young young manager in the game, um, and uh, I think that that all kind of contributes to the significant experience and, and the knowledge that he has now. Um, he's a brilliant coach out on the grass, um, worked with some fantastic players who've gone into the professional game, um, uh, both here and beyond in, into Europe, and he's uh, he's just a really really nice guy. Um, I always enjoy talking to him about about the game in general. I find him a, a, a real deep thinker about the game, really passionate about um, about tactics, about development um, uh, systems and development processes for young footballers. Um, and he's just he's just a real real old school football guy with uh, a lot of new school knowledge. So I really hope you all enjoy um, the, the the discussion with Mike. Um, I think I'm going to. Cheers, guys. Welcome to Football 360 this week. Uh, really delighted to have Mikey Morton on. Uh, Mikey, how are you doing, pal? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's, it's chucking it down with rain in Spain here, so all those pictures I put on social media with the sun, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to put on some pictures of uh, drowned rats because that's what that's what we've got today. I've got I've got uh, puddles all over the chip shop. But um, anyway, uh, great, mate. Great to have you on board. Um, uh, Mikey is uh, is the the lead coach for the Leeds United Under 16s in the academy there, um, and uh, really looking forward to this conversation. So we're going to go into the warm up, Mikey. Which uh, few questions just to just to get you get you started, get the juices flowing. Um, so first off, your favourite player ever and why? Favourite player um, Zidane. It's got to be Zidane for me. I sort of say that actually. I was thinking about because obviously I've listened to a few of your podcasts and. I was sort of thinking about this this question because um, there's so many good players. The reason why I sort of picked Zidane is, is because if you look at like the modern game now, you look at the three roles in midfield. You know, you've got more your defensive midfielder, the one who can do a little bit of both, and your attacking midfielder. Yeah, I just I just think Zidane could do them all. Um, you know, you could comfortably play him in a, a holding role. You could play him to do both. You could play him as attacking midfielder. So f for me, like you know, he stands out for me. I, I, I'd even go first of all. That's the answer that I'd give if anyone asked me. Um, and I'd, I'd even go so far as to say I think he could be and 
an exceptional central defender as well in a three, uh, in a two. I think he could he could do he could play most positions on the pitch. But um, yeah, his highlights real, particularly that one that comes over his shoulder when he takes it down, turns, spins, uh, and turns away from an opponent all in the same motion. Just I've never seen anything like it, and he, he was unbelievable. Great, great choice, mate. The game looked so easy, didn't he? And I, and I think that's what it was. And he was just, he was just phenomenal to watch. And obviously, as I, as I was growing up a little bit, he was sort of coming on the scenes. And, you know, I could watch him all day and I could watch his like highlights back all day. Um, I, still, I still use videos now of him to show the players because like, I think it's important. He can use both feet, he can twist and turn, he could play in all, all different positions. Uh, he could score goals, he could play long range passes, he could just do everything. And he had a little yeah. bit of an edge to it as well. Yeah, 100%. What a great answer, mate. Okay, favourite team ever and why? It's a great one, this. Uh, funny enough, I was sat with Mr. Collins the other day and we were going through like the Champions League winners. For those who don't know, Cy Collins, uh, Cy and Mikey have worked together in, in coaching roles. At professional clubs and, and also at, uh, in the semi-professional game as well. So, so he's so a great guy. I hope he's listening uh, and I hope he's well. He will. Be. He won't mind me mentioning his name. So, uh, <laughs> but no, we're, we're just before the derby game the other day. So Liverpool, Man U, and we're just sat, sat there going through the Champions League winners. And funny enough, the first team that sprung to mind for me was, um, and, and it's a bit of a different one actually, was AC Milan in the early nineties. Yeah. And you know, with the Van Basten and Gullit and. Um, who else? Brazy, Young Maldini, you know, that, yeah. that team. I think reason why that sort of sprung to mind was like, you know, when was it was it Goal Italia that came out? Was it Goal Italia? Was it called? On the on, Sunday? On, on, channel, on Channel 4, Gazetta. Yeah, that's it, Gazetta. So I think that sort of when it highlighted like the Italian league more, you sort of stand up and take notice. And it was some team that. And then wow. I remember as a, I remember as a, a, a young boy, the AC Milan Barcelona game, I think it was yeah. 93, 94, and they were missing all the big the big players, and I was disappointed as a kid. But they won four yeah. 0 didn't they? So yeah. I think I think that's sort of one of the teams sort of sprung to mind um, when me and Sarah was talking about. It. And then when you just answered the question there, and then AC Milan in two thousand three, same again, same sort of mould of players. Yeah. Uh, in there, you've got your Maldini and Nesta, players who could defend. Uh, which I think is a big part of it. Gattuso in midfield who could break play up. And then you had your flair players, you had your Perlos and Shevchenkos, Rui Costa. Yeah. Um, but the reason why that sort of comes to mind is just the balance in the team. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Players in there were to defend and were happy to defend. And then players who, who would go and do the creative things and open up doors. So yeah. they're the teams. I know there's been the more modern teams like Barcelona. Um, we could talk about the Pep team for, for hours, but for me, that them sort of two AC Milan teams sort of spring to mind. And I think, obviously, with them playing the diamond as well, it was slightly different for me when I was coming up. Like, never really seen yeah. the diamond. Much. So, yeah. it was sure. it sort of intrigued me a little bit. Yeah, love it. Love it. Great stuff. Always nice to get these different answers in there from people as well. Love it. Okay. If you had uh, the opportunity to, to pick a manager to win a football match with the best players in the world playing for him, they have a cup final and the result of that, that game is is the most important thing around the result of that one 90-minute game. Which manager do you choose to get a win? Oh, great, great question. Um, are we talking... 
We're just talking a one-off game, no training. Just a one-off game. Don't 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 talk about building. Don't talk about development. Don't talk about anything other than winning that one match. I don't think you can move away from Jose. For me, um, I think he's he's that player. I mean, listen, do I think there's there's better managers around there at the moment? Yes, I do. Um, but they've got to take time to build a culture. But if you're f- for that sort of scenario, I would just say Jose, yeah. keep going, get a result for one game. Um, he'd be the man uh, that I'd back 100%. Brilliant, brilliant. Good man. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% see that. I think it might well be the answer that I would have come up with as well. Okay, um, final question. Little known fact about Mikey Morton that no one would know other than maybe that you're, you're very nearest and dearest. Um, interesting. Something totally away from football. Um, I like art. Art? Yeah, I love art. Um, funny enough, I, I took GCSE arts at school. That was probably my best subject apart from sport, yeah. believe it or not. Um, so, yeah, I like art. And, and, and do you still, do you still, do you st- I mean, you, you appreciate art or do you actually continue to do stuff? Yeah. No, I guess, listen, I appreciate art. I don't draw as much as I used to. Um, yeah. Especially when I moved out from my grandma's, she's got to be paint stuff. But no, listen, I think most of it now is just drawing tactics and things like that. Um, but I do, I do like, I do have art around the house and things like that. I do love it. Nice, good man. Nice, I like it. I love it. Love a left field answer on that one. Brilliant. Okay, pal. Let's let's get into the let's get into the the, the main event. The whistle whistles blown. Game started. So let's let's get into it. Um, you can you tell us a little bit about um. You, you you probably focused on coaching earlier than than many in terms of you know your playing career and obviously started off really well but you, you very quickly moved into coaching fairly early on. How did that go? How did you feel about it? What was it? You know, did, do you feel like you left anything behind as a player, or do you think it was the right thing to go into coaching as early as you did? Um, I, th- I think it sort of set its cause as a player. I think uh, if, I mean if you want me to go into it, I think when you look at it, I know obviously I played with yourself and both played around the circuit a little bit. I'd met, um, when I went to Garforth actually, I was playing and coaching at Leeds United. Uh, yeah. And the, the manager at the time was actually the one who got me to Leeds. So as you can imagine, when you start to work with the younger ones at Leeds, it's an, on an evening. So when I moved and then stepped up two leagues to play, um, it, sort of, it was really difficult to balance it, playing on a, yeah. a Tuesday, sorry, training on a Tuesday, training on a Thursday, playing on a Saturday. And, and coaching around that and it was really 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 difficult it was difficult and I know you'll have been through it yourself and uh, it came to a I don't know a sort of lockheads really where I was starting to miss training so I was getting fined from the club rightly yeah. so because I had training on a Tuesday so luckily the manager at the time was good with me but then I was training on a Thursday playing on a Saturday and I just didn't feel it was right and anyway, I went through it for a while um, you know, it's like you, you sort of feel cheeky when you're not you're not training all the time and you're playing. And then uh, there was an instance around Christmas time where I, I think I'd played on Tuesday night in an FA Cup game. I'd then travelled to Liverpool on a, a Friday night and then I had to miss training. And then your, your manager at, at the club at the time where I was working, obviously, wasn't happy. And I just had to make a decision. So I made a decision um, that season just, just to sort of focus on the coach until the end of the year. Yeah. see what I could do. And then it was one of them, do I drop a few leagues as a player 
balance it with coaching it, it just wasn't going to work. Um, so funny enough, I just I just went uh, fully into coaching from there. Um, do I miss football? Yes, I do, but probably wouldn't have the experience I had now if I if I hadn't made that decision. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I mean, I I miss. I miss playing a little bit, but not a lot. Not a lot. Um, it's, it's, I, I felt like coaching was maybe something I should have done even earlier. Um, so, I, in some ways, I look at you and I think that's a class move. That was a, that was a either foresight or just gut feeling or whatever. But um, it, I think it's paid off. To be fair, I think it's, it's just scenarios, isn't it? I, you know, like listen, with I just remember being sat in the car um, traveling back from Liverpool on a Friday night. I know it's a random day, but just thinking, what am I doing? I'm stuck. Yeah. I felt, I felt bad because one person was happy and the other person wasn't happy. And um, there was actually a funny story, actually. I um, and I know he played that. I had to do a. I tried to balance both out on a Saturday morning, so I had a training session for for the for Leeds on the morning. What am I saying? And we're playing Barrow away. Yeah. So you you know the trek. Hell of a, hell of a trip. One of the worst away trips, Barrow. Great, you know, great ground, great club, but yeah, a long way. So funny enough, I've like I've tried to balance it out and keep them both happy, like you know, not saying one to the other, saying I'm not doing it. But anyway, I finished training, and my you know my granddad, he he's he trips us all the way up to Barra uh, as a young lad, and I, literally 20 minutes into the game, I get there. So you can imagine like the sort of situation. Obviously, I'd let the gaffer know, but I came on at half time, and you just. It, and it was a cracking game. We ended up winning, but the point was, you know, when you're driving home, you think, what am I doing? And it's all them little moments, you know, that sort of defined sort of probably who I am now. So if I had yeah. gone through them moments, it would have gone a different way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Funny story. I don't think I got any wages that week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. I wouldn't have given you any power. On both sides. Okay. So, um, you... You and Sai uh, set up a, your own your own business, didn't you? Tell us a bit more about that and uh, and what that journey was like. Yeah, f- funny enough, it was so it was uh, it was actually Sai's business. Sai used to be in tours, didn't he? he used to take pro clubs abroad um, yeah. and bring pros to to the UK. So at the time, it was it was UST Academy, and um, obviously at the time we were working. I think I was at Man City at the time. Yeah, I was. And, but we were doing a lot of um, talent identification at the time. So we we're going out and watching 23s games, 21s games. And you just start to see a pool of players constantly playing and then getting released. Yeah. You know, and, and it was one of them where me and Sal was like, he was a good player. He was a good player. We just kept having the same conversation every week. And then we was like, why don't we set some up just to try support them players? So... Funny enough, we, we, we set up one night a week um, in York and we started to um, find all the players who, who were getting released from clubs and the yeah. better local players and just offering them one night a week of training, yeah. uh, which then turned into to two nights a week because the lads were enjoying it. And and listen, like we, did, we didn't make any money on it. I think, I think listen, we, we were dabbling into our pocket quite a bit, but it was just more about the players and experimenting yeah. with things and and it, it was really, really good. It was really good at the time. We had, we had players, believe it or not, we had players from 15 to, to 21. I won't say his name was 21 because he'd kill me. But yeah. a 21-year-old who could have gone on to be a, a big name in the game, um, who got a few injuries, was training with a 15-year-old, which obviously I know you know the twins, uh, Vera yeah. twins. 
But what we had there was just brilliant. It was sort of like uh, good training. We could we could experiment a little bit. The players knew what we wanted, and uh, we got to an opportunity where we started to play pro clubs and do really well. Um, and, and it was like it was something that we wanted to run with, but it was just so hard financially. Yeah. But it was it was really good. It was a, it was a good. Um, it was a good start and we've got a lot of players into semi-professional, a lot into America and obviously there's five or six of them now playing pro so it was worthwhile in the end, if I'm honest. Well, I think a compliment I can pay you both there is that whenever I had players that had been at UST, had been with you two, um, technically there, there, was, there, was, there was a very clear pattern in terms of their fundamentals were excellent but more than that, they were ready for life. That they were they were really well well behaved, respectful, hardworking uh, young young people who um, I think that's a, that's the biggest compliment I can pay you. The football is one thing, but um, I think that was that was something that I know you know it wasn't just me who noticed that. I know a lot of people felt that. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that, that in itself you know it might not be specifically the football type of stuff you and I are going to go on to discuss, but um, still an achievement in itself for sure. Okay. Um, Let's just just you just talked about about the Vieira brothers and, and I mean Ronnie's out in Italy now. Um, I mean you you must sit there sometimes and turn on. The, I mean look I, mean, I saw I don't know who played who did he play against a couple of weeks ago? I can't remember the Inter Milan or someone like that. And you're like you know this kid's this kid who you know you remember the bus journeys and what have you and three or four bus journeys to get to your sessions and now he's playing in the San Siro in Serie A. I mean that must be surreal. Oh yeah, it's probably, if I'm honest, probably like the proudest moment when we saw his debut at Leeds. Um, and when me and Si talk about it all the time, it's still like, it sort of gets, even when you're talking about it there, it sort of gets me a little bit, eyes on the eyes on the neck. But I think that's why we, we do what we do and why we're driven to sort of keep doing it. Um, and why we believe in sort of giving certain players a bit more time. Um, yeah. And, and listen, it's, it's great to have that. And I know there's a lot of people who don't really know the story and think, oh, we must have got hold of a really good player. And it's just, listen, the, the hard work behind the scenes from him and his brother and all the lads as well at training sort of helped for him to get to where he's at. Um, yeah. it's, it's an unbelievable story. Like, again, we could we could talk an hour about it. and But it's credit to the boys because they've got to be driven. It's got to come from, from in. Yeah. Um, and, and the dedication, like... I'm not joking. I mean, to be fair, Sai spotted them playing um, local level. Um, like, Sai used to go out and watch random games, like yeah. grassroots games. And we used to have kids coming in from all over, like, you know, little street kids. And he brought in four of them from Leeds. <laughs> and he said, trust me, there's some players here. So, really, the credit with Sai for spotting him. And then and then the dedication comes from them of, of getting there, two bus journeys to get there. And we, we just... Um, you, we, we just got a brand new training facility where we started to train and it's one of the hardest places to get to in York if you live in York yeah. and first training night um, we, we said to the boys look there's a postcode if you want to get there don't worry about it it's, it's not a problem um, and we turn up we want to speak to them two 50 year old boys and they're there before everybody and only one of them speaks English wow. and then sort of sit there and they're in the little the little kits and like you just think wow you know so so listen when you've got kids that are hungry and and, and they want to get to the top they're, they're the easiest to sort of guide um i've got an unbelievable i've got hairs up the back of my neck i mean it's, it, it's, it's an amazing story an amazing story um 
yeah. What what more can you say about it? I, I you know, I, I remember seeing from from arm's length, um, seeing them, them come down to games, you know, and support their their pals who, you know, obviously, perhaps were less, um, you know, less lauded, less le, le, less high you know high profile players, but they were all in it together. You could tell there was a group of them who, you know, stuck in and mixed together, looked after each other, and um, yeah, I think it's I just think it's a wonderful story, amazing. Okay. Sorry, mate. Uh, I think that I think that's one of the things we sort of created, though. It was like not us against the world, but just we just we wanted the players to go and prove a point. Yeah. So that was the environment we created. So it was like, so can we work a little bit harder than everybody else who's got the privilege of being at a pro club or somewhere else? And I think that's what we did, and it, and it even sticks with us now. You know, like you said. You know, they'll come watch games. Um, they'll still go watch the, the college games and the I2I games or USC games at the time. Um, so, yeah, that, that was sort of the, the culture that we created. Um, so, yeah, it's great to see. Yeah, definitely. No, well done, mate. Fantastic achievement for, for you and Si and, and for the boys themselves, most importantly. Um, okay, so let's go from Serie A to, um, to North East Counties football. Yeah. Um, you... And Pete Vasey took over at Pickering Town when you were how old? I would have been mid twenties. Uh, I couldn't give you a fact, but I reckon I'd been about twenty six, twenty seven. I reckon. I, I think at the time I was living at, I was, I was, I was in Guernsey, so I wasn't, I wasn't local. Um, but I remember reading about it, thinking, bloody hell, Mikey, you, <laughs> you, you, you've, you've bitten off a lot there. Um, how, how was it? How was the experience? I have two young managers, you know, you at the age of, like you say, mid, mid, mid to late 20s. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, yeah, a tough league, physical league, tough, you know, tough mentally. Um, some some fairly, fairly hairy-ass men in there and a lot of legacy stuff about, you know, the, the, the way the game perhaps was. How was it? Tough, tough. Um, but I've always said to myself that I need to throw myself into them scenarios experience yeah. everything when I get to where I actually want to be at the end um, at the time as well it was I was at, I was at City at the time and when Vaz rang me I was like I was I was nervous you know I was nervous and I was looking at the squad and they had like I'd say half the squad was older than me um, some I played with um, some I played against and you sort of think I'm going to be the one who's telling them what to do can I get the respect um, and funny enough yeah I, I jumped in it it was we had a really good pre-season um, good feedback from the players, you know, good feedback from the board. The fans liked what we were doing, and then when when it came to that first game of the season, um, we actually flew out the blocks. I remember winning a local derby um, in the first game. I think it was five one. I'm like, you know, this this is good, and then it went downhill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it went downhill. A um, lot of lot of challenges. It was. I tell you what, the biggest thing for me was is. It was not so much the players; it was like uh, like managing the the budget. Yeah. So the players that we brought in, um, if we were to field our best eleven, we wouldn't have had any subs. So when you're in that scenario, it's difficult because then you're gonna have to leave one or two good players out, and then you have to bring some young ones on the bench. So you mean you mean you, would, you mean you wouldn't have had any subs because they'd have walked and gone somewhere else. No, no, so because of the budget where we're at, where we're at at the time, um, ah, okay. if we was to play the best eleven, we wouldn't have any subs. Yeah. And and that, 
And that, by the way, that's nothing on the club because I thought it was brilliant by the club because they went, there's your budget. Yeah. Um, you can't buy a penny. Um, and it was fantastic. And we ended up um, bringing in two or three really good players. Um, and we were sort of sat there and, and I remember writing the team down and, and you, you obviously put the, the, the wage at above it. And if we'd have fielded the best team, we'd have had no subs. So then yeah. you're debating, do we go on the bench? Um, but it wasn't the, the, the right thing, really. Yeah. So we had to have a couple of harsh chats. Um, probably got it wrong. Got rid of probably one of their most senior players who's had most experience. Um, probably at the time, I felt more comfortable working with the younger lads. So we got rid of one of the um, one of the senior players there, and and it and it sort of I don't know it sort of went downhill after that, um, yes. you know, on probably on the way that it did it. So it was a, it was a real learning curve, and then obviously um, it, it was difficult and would upset a few people, and um, you know it was it was really hard. And then obviously when we we got sacked at Christmas, and rightly so, we were struggling. It was an interesting one, but the biggest thing that I take from it was is after we'd been sacked, um, I could have walked away and Vaz could have walked away and gone, do you know what, it was the players, they weren't up to our standard, but I didn't think like that. I rang four or five of the players and said, and some good players there as well, by the way, being around the leagues, and just sort of say, what did you like that I did? What didn't you like? Really, really interesting feedback. For, um, the training was good. The <coughs> man so some of the demands were too high for for them having um, full time jobs and workloads, and you know some yeah. have got little just newborn babies. So the feedback was really really good. Um, so again, I wouldn't probably be I wouldn't have had a little bit of success after that if it wasn't for that. Um, it was a really really good learning curve. Um, it hurt though. It hurt. But I bet, I bet. Did you take it? Did you take it bad at the time? Um. Just, just a couple of days have been quiet. <laughs> um, funny enough, we got offered a, a job straight after, um, which was interesting. And I just want, I want ready for it. I think it was difficult because obviously I was at City at the time, so the travel, I was travelling from City at six o'clock, travelling over to get to a game at eight o'clock, five minutes in, and so I just needed a bit of a breather. And it was a bit of a wake-up call because you think, yeah, because I'm working here, I can I can do this. This will be better than what the managers are. But listen, there's some good managers around there, some good players. Um, and and I, I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot from it. And I'm, I'm glad I've gone through it. And I'll go through it again at some point um, yeah. because it's just a learning curve. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you, so you, you then had a bit, uh, you know, you concentrated on the... Your career, I guess, you know, into your full-time job, um, and and then went back into non-league management a few years later. First as a, as an assistant to, to Marshy at Taddy, and then and then as, as first team manager with, with Sai. I mean, I was mighty impressed with what you two did uh, in that season. You you know, within a few minutes of going and get to the playoff final, um, and who knows, you know, who knows how things might have gone for you personally, uh, you know, in terms of continuing that or. Or uh, and the club itself, but um, yeah, I mean, did you did you did you always have a have a mind that between the first job and the second job, which was what five six years apart? Uh, it wasn't actually. Funny enough, it wasn't. It was. Uh, it, I think it was the season after I went as assistant manager to Marshy. Oh, was it the season? Oh, see, okay, but, but, but as yeah. a manager, let's say. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, you've answered, so you've answered my question actually because you went in as an assistant. There was a natural, natural path. Okay, so um, 
Fine. Okay, so in, in that, when you did eventually get to manage it, I'm sure you learned a lot from Marshy, but I mean, what did you do differently? Um, just just tweaked a lot of things. I think the the, the, the training structure uh, changed. I was a little bit more clued upon what it looked like to a semi-professional player compared to a professional player. Yeah. Um, obviously, just change. I know it's... It, it's not rocket science, but just changing the night, so different distances from a Tuesday to a Thursday. Yeah. What we want the play over. Um, you know, I, th I think making things simpler, that was probably the main thing. And I think that's why we're in the game. You, you start off you start off in the career and you have all these ideas and you see all the stuff on social media, but actually the ones with the most experience make it as simple as possible. Yeah. So, my, my message to the players was a lot simpler. Um, the goals that we set were simple and clear. And that wasn't just from, from me. That was working with the senior players. So from the experience that I had at Pickering to then being assistant manager, I, I sort of learned that you needed the senior players and you needed to, to work with them because they've got a lot of experience in there. Yeah. Um, you know, like there was international. If you look at the tally team, we had international players in there, players who won Champions Leagues, as um, you know, players who played in you know in and around the Championship. So you'd be silly not to to sort of take that information and put it together. So yeah. listen, they were great. So take the information and then you go right. This is what I want to do, and they'll they'll give you the input and you go with it. And I think that was the biggest thing for me. Um, and I was better at man-to-man -man management and, and not being feared of speaking to someone who's had more experience of playing. Yeah. Uh, and I think the relationship was big and then just keeping it clear on the pitch. That's yeah. the biggest. Nice, good. Well, it, it certainly worked. It was a great, was a great season. Um, okay, let's move on to... Uh, you, you, you then started another started a full-time role at Leeds which was I think the reason why why you stopped managing was that right it was yeah yeah, yeah. took okay. a decision yeah I bet it was I bet it was but uh in hindsight how do you see that decision now I think again for my personal development it's been great yeah um, it's been it's been fantastic I think um obviously with the craze with, with Marcelo being there and um Obviously, everybody knows about Marcel. Anybody who wants to progress as a as a coach wants to know what he's doing, what his methods are. So, being able to sort of watch them on a daily basis is is phenomenal. Um, yeah. But not just that, like the the rest of the coaches there, like you know the the twenty threes and the eighteens, and then right down even down to the coaches with the foundation. Of, you know the the staff in there over twenty years have been at a pro club. So, like just just learning constantly, whichever direction I go in and pick somebody's brains um, yeah. again the scenario you've got players in there who've played played at a top top level you've got players who've played like semi-professional you've got managers in there who've managed football league so it's so for me it's, it's, it's just like a fountain of knowledge just keeps coming in and I love yeah. it uh, it's been uh, mind-blowing because there's so many different ideas and different directions on for them personally but it's brilliant you know it's fantastic for learning has it has it changed has it changed your your fundamentals? No, I think I think listen, I've I think it's eighteen years I've sort of been coaching. Believe it or not, um, I've sort of and I've seen I've seen everything go around in circles. You know, new trends, but it's some it's not really a new trend. It's been around before. Yeah. So I think my fundamentals stay the same, um, but 
just different ideas and different twists on things. Um, you know, it'd be silly not to to take the information in and try tweak what you've got. Yeah. So I just I just taking everything I can and one thing that I learned from from the early days, you know, I was part of a really good community program at Leeds when I started. I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't get enough information. Yeah. Uh, so now I just I just try to five find five ten minutes to ask questions um, with all different types of staff whether it's snc whether it's a foundation coach with the nines whether it's the 18s or it's 23s um i just keep learning and just keep jotting things down and trying to add it to to my values really brilliant brilliant love that i mean it must be you know being at a club that the whole world is looking at because of the first team manager um yeah it's just it must be a, a roller coaster of a journey for all of you i mean there's been a, you know the, the fly on the wall documentary um, and just, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there must be like a huge queue of media people there every day from all over the world wanting to see what's going on. So to be, a, a, you know, at the heart of it and seeing, seeing what, what's happening at the training ground every day must be phenomenal. Yeah, no, it is. Listen, it's uh, it, it's brilliant. It's good to see see how everybody works and good to see what what they do on a daily basis. Um, no, listen, I think that the main thing is is like the how hard everybody works right from the bottom right to the top i think that that's the biggest thing that i've seen yeah. um like the word behind the scenes is just phenomenal yeah really i bet i bet thorough thorough okay um let's take it from then one of the world's most famous managers to another one of the world's most famous managers jim collis legend uh, I, we're gonna we'll, we'll have a little 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 Part of the conversation dedicated to Jim for different reasons. One partly because um, Jim's, for those people who, who, who don't know, Jim Collis was a, a legendary manager in the York area um, for many years. Uh, he also managed Tadcaster Albion towards the end of his career and, and I think actually helped to start the ball rolling and um, to get the club to where it is today. Um, and, and, and I hope that other people agree with me on that. Um, but Jim's currently struggling with um, with Alzheimer's, with with fairly developed Alzheimer's. So um, I think I, I want to just tip my hat to him as part of this conversation. You and I played for him, and he, he was he was someone who, who we we've all got amazing stories about. You know, he, he used to leave a message on my hi-fi when he tried to get hold of me. Um, used to get his, his words mumbled up and and, uh, and mixed up all the time. And um, but he won so many trophies in 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 football in, in yorkshire particularly over many years and, and had so many great players and i think to, to to try and tie it to this conversation i just want to want to ask you old school football foundations that you know the, the the stuff that you're built on the, the the culture your love for the game how does how did those experiences help shape that i mean i know for example your, your granddad who's been I, I i assume probably the biggest influence on you um, uh, or certainly one of the biggest influences. I know he was a big part of that legacy that Jim had in York as well. Um, I mean, t tell me a little bit about how you feel like, because I, I, I think it's really interesting that a guy who is an elite coach, you're an elite coach, and you, I think you're going to go on to, to, to even more elite things. Um, used to sit with Patty John Smiths in the pub on a, on a Sunday lunchtime with a load of ex-professional footballers uh, and, a, and a bunch of vagabonds and rogues um, in in York, where it, the game was nothing like it is to people of you know of this generation, and yet 
it shaped so many people. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm putting across some of my views, I guess, there, but I really want to know about yours. No, I think if we're talking about the, them experiences, I just, the old the old school values have just sort of, I don't know, like from them guys, like first and foremost, like the, the environment, what they created, um, how they enjoyed that, but like how they were driven, how they how they pushed each other. Like, listen, they'll go and have a go and have a drink, and I, and I remember when I was younger, and I'll tell you a story in a minute. But like, just watching them, like in the pub after having a pint and watching the scores with the bets and stuff. I, the amount of work that, or the hard work they're putting in the week for, yeah. uh, let's say, when I was younger, they were semi-professional, believe it or not, and then they obviously didn't get the floodlights. So, but the amount of work they used to put in, even then when they dropped back into like the the, the counties, the yeah. be training Tuesday night, there'd be no one missing, there'd be no one missing, and if there was, that uh, there'd be a fine system. And you're talking yeah. like a like a local semi-professional level. Yeah. Um, and the standard um, that was in there, like right to the end, was just phenomenal. Um, and that, and that's not that's not hard to do for me. It's not hard to do. I just think it's just simple foundations of working hard, um, sticking together, pushing each other, um, and then in, in making sure that you stick together no matter what happens on the pitch after, whether you're having a pint or whether you know modern day now you're sat on a bus, just just being grown up about it. Yeah. Um, and. I, I know it's nothing rocket science, and I don't say anything different. But them, they stick with me. They'll stick with me all the time, and I won't change. Um, and I just, I just think it's a real simple thing on, on working hard, stick together, um, and making sure the environment's right. And I think you get them right nine times out of ten, you, you, you're going to do all right as a player or as a team. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, uh, you know, forget forget development, coaching, your passion for coaching. If you're a manager and you get good players then yeah. you're halfway there, aren't you? And, and and he was brilliant at that because Jim used to walk the, the playing fields of the York area, the universities, the colleges, you know, the, the, the whole area. And, and, and he had no no problems with stopping a game and walking on and, and asking someone if they wanted to come down and train at round trees. And uh, I, I, I love that. I love that about him. But uh, as I say, I just think it's, I think it's, it's a real, you know, not, it's not a clash of cultures because you're taking the best of everything you know that you've had on your journey, and and, and I I I would say the same in, in, in my own journey, albeit at a slightly lower level. And I think what you you know what what you learned in that group. I mean, I would never have gone and played where I did if I hadn't have been been playing for Jim. There's no two ways about it. Uh, and the lads who were absolutely brilliant lads. I mean, some of the best lads I've ever played with. The best dressing rooms, um, unbelievable, unbelievable. On that one, on that one, Kev, like you got you got a member like I was obviously I was younger. And uh, and I wouldn't have gone. I remember going to um, I don't even remember when I went to Middlesbrough after that. And I just felt yeah. it was like playing with kids. No offense to anybody, but I was playing with kids because I came in a change room at fourteen, fifteen. Jim Collis, and then yeah. and like I'm probably building you up here, but there was players like yourself. And listen, we could reel off players in that team who had all had an, a, a decent career or were going on to a yeah. decent career. So, like, the way of, like, learning and watching you guys and how you was um, sort of helped me out. But that sort of, that stuck with me and it won't change. Because, listen, there were some top players in there. We could we could reel oh. some players, including yourself, including yourself. And then, and it got to a point where, like, yourself would be going off and playing at a good level, semi-professional, and then still coming and playing, you know, still coming yeah. in and playing and, and enjoying it. Uh, yeah. But not losing that, that that winning instinct, and that's 
you know, as a young man, I'm seeing that and I'm thinking, I like that. That's what I want to be. And that, and that sort of moulded me. And then whenever I'm in a change room, that's what I, that's what I see. That's what I want. Um, and, and do you know what? Whenever, whenever I've sort of got that right, I've, I've, it's usually, we're usually successful. Oh, we have yeah. really, yeah. Um, it's interesting. But yeah, great years. I loved it. And the June Collis' famous saying, defenders defend, midfield create, and attackers score. <laughs> that was his team talk. That was his team talk. It didn't need to get any more complicated than that. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant days. And um, you know, best wishes to, to Jim um, and to his family. Um, and if anyone out there wants to wants to get in touch with them, um, if you get if you get in touch with me or Mikey on uh, on Twitter, I'm sure we can um, we can pass on best wishes. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's he's obviously having a tougher time now. So thoughts are, uh, thoughts are with him. Okay. Um, let's move on a little bit to you know from Jim Collis to the technology in the game. So let's go back again another another light light years jump. Um, you're you do some amazing stuff um, with with technology. I know it's part of some of your, your coach education, um, but I'm sure you're using it day to day. Tell me a little bit about how um, how you're adopting technology now and how that's changed in the last few years. Um, well, it's changed massively. Everything used to just be on a piece of paper, put it in your pocket, off you go. Um, yeah. I think, do you know what? It, it comes back, loads of people ask me this question, funny enough, but it comes back to my art days. Yeah. So, I like visuals, I like seeing things. It, it's funny, but it does actually come back to that. So, um, the modern technology, I, I like it. Um, and I think you can make it simpler for the players as well. The you know I send I send players little clips of the scenarios that we've seen, and the players see it. Um, you look at like the modern day coaches now, even with us on the training pitch, they've all got iPads. You know, you know it's clearer. They've got the videos. They've got the notes on there. And and I, I don't think it. You know, some coaches try to be proud and not take anything on the pitch. But if you've got the clear message in front of you, your clear message is going to be on the pitch. So, because you know as a coach and as me, we've all tried to be a bit proud and oh, I'm going to remember that session. I'm going to go out and you miss something. Yeah. So, it's really important, especially at, a, especially at a top level, I would say, as well. Like, you, you can't miss anything. You know, you haven't got much time prepping for, for big games and that, that little small detail will be a difference of, like, winning three points, drawing or losing. Um, so, I think the technology is, if it's used in the right way, um, I think it's I think it's really good, and I think it's good for the players. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong; I've seen people overuse it and overcomplicate yeah. it, but that that comes back to the message that I was saying that the more experience you gain in football, it becomes simpler. Yeah. And visuals that I use, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, have I got a lot of stuff behind that and a lot of things? Yes, I have. But it's just that message to the player needs to be as simple as possible. But I love it. What about yeah. you? I'm. I'm not. I'm. I mean, I work in technology. My full-time job's in technology, but I, I'm not. I don't adopt it enough. Um, I. Yeah. I mean, session plans and what have you. Obviously, you know, I've been using using those online for a few years. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't use it enough. But I have to say, uh, over here in Spain. Um, I probably use more visual aids than most do, um, in my experience that I've seen so far. Uh, obviously, I, I, that's that's accepting the very highest level. But you know, the best grassroots clubs, the best you know amateur semi-pro type clubs below the top two two divisions. Um, yeah, I think I, I brought probably some ideas certainly to the club last year that um, people have adopted um, 
and 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 it, again, it's, it's as you say, it's it's about um, <clears throat> we all. I mean, particularly when it's been in another language, um, you have to rely on other things. You know, the way I communicate has been really challenged by by coaching in Spain because um, I, I, I'm quite wordy, as everyone knows. Anyone who's listened to me for more than a minute or two will know. Um, and my challenge when I was in the UK was to talk less and to be more succinct and to make the message more simple and to keep the players' attention and to ensure that everything was fresh and everything was, you know, we never never, never got stale. That the use of those visual aids around the changing room on the training ground during during training sessions, I think has always been good to break up my, you know, the monotony of my dulcet tones. Um, over here, it's even more important because I, I only have so many words, and once I've used those words, I can't keep repeating them. So I then have to go for a different reason, actually, to to, to technology or to visual aids. Um, but I'm I think what I need to, to do is understand uh, analysis a lot more. I, I think you know I look at you and I think I know some of the work that you do, and I see some of the work that you, you put out on Twitter, and if anyone hasn't seen it look back through some of the stuff Mikey's put out there in recent times about um, about Leeds um, analyzing the Leeds performances looking at the the unit based understanding the midfield and the defensive uh, units and their role in, in let's say pressing as an example and, and applying pressure to win the ball back it's absolutely brilliant um, but yeah I, I need to do more work on analysis i need to understand how to analyze a game using software and using technology better i know how to analyze it in my own mind um but i don't know how to apply that and use some of the benefits that would make me a better analyst of the game um that's just my my kind of my my where i am with it i think um, i think to sort of add to that um a guy that um, i came across a while ago and, and listen he's, he's 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 an absolute legend is a guy called dick bait yeah Amazing, amazing. Yeah. He, he, used to, he went to, he's an old John, you know, he went to St. John's. Yeah. I know, yeah, I know. He, uh, he used a story, we, me and Natch Lil Sai, we got uh, speaking to him about it, and it was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but we, we, um, we did the specialist courses that he ran, and, and listen, it's no offence to, I love all the courses and I love learning, but the, the, the courses that we did with him were just on another level. Yeah. Um, one thing that he always talked about was the future game. Um, and I remember, I remember sitting speaking with him um, about the future coach, <laughs> and he was like, try to map it out, have a look at it, um, and try to be ahead of it. And do you know what? One of them was analysis. One of them was presentations. One of them was videos. Yeah. Um, it's the modern game now, and um, you know, listen, it's difficult to keep up because it goes so quick. But if you want to stay in the game, you want to stay in it for a long time. It's something that you have to adapt. Um, and you've got to remember that the if the modern player now at 15, 16 is getting this, um, getting the resources now, they get to the top level. You've got to be able to supply that as well because that's what they know. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's, it's it's a big thing. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't ever want to be in that scenario where um, I was a first team gaffer somewhere and a player's come through a, a pro academy and he gets there and there's no visuals or yeah. You know, no well, videos or anything. That's the thing. I, I think the big the big point for me on this is, you know, today's player has different expectations, has lived a different life, has been educated a different way, has been socialised a different way to players twenty years ago when we started, or when we when you know when we were in and around what we thought was performance stuff then. And um, I, I, I'm the first to hold my hand up and say, you know, I'm, I'm bordering on dinosaur territory now on some aspects of the game that I really need to I need to you know educate myself on. Um, you know, I, I consider myself in your generation, 
people a little bit older than me always say our generation. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not quite as old as you. I'm doing the same with you now. I'm, I'm in your generation. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I, I see how how um, keen an eye for detail you have and I've always had, if I'm honest, even before um, it became mainstream. I remember some of the stuff you did back 10, 12 years ago and I, and I was blown away by it, if I'm honest. And it was, it was like some kind of futurist fantasy at that time and I didn't understand it completely but I did after uh, after a period of time um so yeah it's but it's gone. I made a mistake with it. Okay, I made a mistake with it I tried I did try it with the um semi-professional players at one point and it was just it's too much for them it was yeah. too much for them so again that's just another experience of like right how do I simplify that so the players are getting more used to it now if you look back at the the Tad Caster team that we had it was obviously you've got your your old guard who've been there and played, who you saw them before you put it all out, and then but then you had players who'd uh, who'd come from Leeds United, come from Wrexham, different clubs, um, only eighteen who'd experienced it. So it was just trying to get that balance right. Yeah. Uh, but I have made plenty of mistakes with that. <laughs> well, it's funny though, isn't it? Because I think it has been a difficult. I'm sure it'll be the same in the future. Technology and stuff. The, the pace of change will, will will increase yet further. But it feels to me like we're caught in between two generations. I'm sure everyone of a certain age in the similar role probably thinks the same. But like you say, catering for both uh, both elements of the changing room in the last 10, 15 years has been actually quite difficult. I wonder what it will be like when all these kids come through um, and everyone is technology savvy. There's no dinosaurs left or no, no old school guys left in, in the changing room. But I wonder what the next new school kids are going to be expecting because I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, I think that's the thing that you know. Obviously, Deke Bates said about like just planning for the future, just see what's coming. Um, all his, I mean, all his content on the player was around the future player. Um, give me an example. He was talking about the speed of the game. He did loads of, he put loads of stats on the speed of the game in Champions League, Premiership, all the top five leagues, what it looked like, and what and how quick it was progressing. So then. Yeah. I put up there of like what it looked like in five years. So all his training drills around that. Yeah. So give me an example. There's a player two seconds on the ball, but in a modern day, it's going to be one second. Why yeah. are the drills around? So it was interesting. It was uh, that that got me thinking, and that's why like I tried to sort of stay with the times if I can. Right, you're doing a good job of it. You're doing a good job of it. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, have to say something bad about you because I keep saying nice things about you. It's too much of a loving at the moment. This is the nicest chat I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna go away from this bouncing. Usually, okay. Um, sorry. I'm usually getting slated. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'll, I'll save some abuse for you for later. Um, okay, let's 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 move on. You know, on, on that theme a little bit. How, how do you see England? How do you see England in comparison to the rest of the world now? Um, quite, I'm quite excited. I think we had a chat on the phone last year, was it? Last year we yeah. were talking for about an hour. What I like is is the um, is like their model behind everything now. The um, you know, like the in possession, out possession. I like the specialist coaches. I think the players are getting well educated. I think the message is clear. Um, I am looking forward to see where we are in like five or six years. And obviously, we've, I think Gareth's obviously a modern coach. Yeah. So, actually, I'm actually quite excited about where we go. And I think that's just more because um, I've got, I've had players who, who are in the England setup and um, and I like to always speak to them about what, what they've learned and what, what they take from it. And I think the message is clear. 
And I think what they want is clear. Um, it's just making sure that when they get to that top end, um, have they got enough experience of winning and losing to to find a way to win the big games? Um, yeah. And there's more players going. There's more players going out on loan, and there's more players playing abroad. And I think that's brilliant. Um, it's just you can't move away from experience. Players being in the scenario day in day out, um, and that's my only thought around it. I'm a negative thought around it, really. I, I, I 100% agree. Um, and I'm going to give you an example. Um, the defensive unit for, for, the, for England's team at the moment, uh, yeah. you could pick three or four or five players to start central defence at the moment. It's very difficult. And, you know, it's not like, you know, you've got John Terry and Rio Ferdinand as a pair who probably, you know, pick themselves. Um, but my view is that defenders have to play together to develop unit-based unit understanding and at international level that's very, very difficult. And I, and I cannot ever understand why the, the, the logic of a national team manager constantly changing a team that clearly lacks defensive unit-based understanding. What, what, how would you go about that if you were here now? Similar sort of thoughts to you really. I think I would, um, I would map out, listen, listen, we all have ideas and there's no right or wrong, but similar to you there i would i would try get my less especially my two center halves and goalkeeper trying to play as many games as they can together before major competition yeah. i think it's very important and you don't have to be the best they don't have yeah. to be the best one you just have to build the relationship up you can have the best two center halves and they're not play together and you put them together and they'll be all over the place um it, you can see it in teams when you know when people go out and buy new players it happens all the time so I don't know how they would do it. Um, I don't know how they would do it. I know at a younger end now they're getting to more tournaments and doing things. Maybe they should look at pairing them up at a younger age so they build a relationship. Yeah. I don't know. Can they do that? I can't answer you that, but I just think it's so important that they, they are together and playing all the time. Like you go back, you, you name a couple of names there, but they're on the sheet all the time. You're Fernand and you're Campbells and people like they knew they were playing together, so they played together quite a bit. Yeah. So they built yeah. a relationship. Why can't we create that? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one because everyone will have a different idea on it. And and I'm pretty sure, look, listen, Gareth will know more than anyone, won't he? So, yeah, I, I think one, thing, one thing's for sure he will have a plan, he'll have, he'll have a number of plans for it, I'm sure. So, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm not in any way thinking that he's not prepared for it. I just, it's, it's an obvious observation, I guess, to make. Yeah. Um, it's funny you, you say there about about not not having the best players. That is that's an amazing comment, and I don't hear people acknowledge that enough in the game. That uh, you know, but the example that I would I would probably give is is Jack Charlton next to next to Bob, Bobby Moore. Bobby Moore, if he was playing today, would be the equivalent of I don't know. I guess I don't know. Beresi, but let's say Beresi a little bit later on as an example. Yeah, it's probably nearest, isn't it? And and how how much footage can you find of Beresi? How much praise can you get for Beresi out there? And yet, look at Chiellini, for example, um, as probably a Jack Charlton equivalent. And the guy, the way he receives the ball, the way you know how how smooth he is, I guess, in in, in transition with the ball, without the ball, whatever. And um, it isn't. It's a bit more mechanical, but. It, it, you know, the the way that uh, defenders and the way that players all over the pitch affect the game does not is not necessarily 
um, determined by just how fan friendly they are. Let's use that as an expression. Yeah, I think um, I think as a whole, I think um, we've sort of took a, a step backwards on defending anyway, because like the modern game and everybody wanting to build the attack and the, get defenders to join in. I just think it comes back to one of my sort of principles and, and values from years ago. It's like, first thing is, defenders need to defend. Um, and, and listen, I've made the mistake. I, I've done it. I've had centre-half splitting. And I, I, listen, you, you might get loads of centre-half commenting on here where I've got them split and I want them to play. But they're a defender. They're a defender. Yep. So defend first and we'll build a little bit on that. And I think we sort of moved away from it. I don't think we've got many 1v1 defending specialists. Um, if you if you look through it, um, I know I do actually know that the FA have, have highlighted that. But just just going back to the basics, defending and then getting sort of the balance right. So you might have a nice player who can play and build, and the other one next to you might just be an out and out stopper. Yeah, uh, and I think that's important, uh, really, really important. Go back to the AC Milan of Nesta and um, and Maldini and when yeah. I talked about the balance, them two just wanted to defend, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, defend, got the balls going in the box, clearance. I loved it, and I just think if you can add that to your team, you know you're off to a winner. It's really, it's really funny because I, I avoided talking about this subject about um, projecting my views on what defenders needed to do because I was one of them. It was the only thing I could do. I definitely didn't have, have much ability on the ball. But what I could do was was to get first contact, was to was to do you know do the horrible stuff, was to block, was to block people's path to goal, and um, and I know when I there was a time as a coach when I, I felt embarrassed to say that I felt strongly about that because the general culture was about playing out from the back, was about you know having um, universal footballers who could do everything and actually. Passing the ball and retaining possession was the best way to defend, and I, I kind of allowed myself to be brainwashed a little bit on that, a bit too much. When I probably should have stuck to what I knew to be true, I just didn't back myself in, from a confidence point of view. Yeah, no, I think I think listen, like me as anyone, I think obviously you've seen my teams play. I, I love to control the game. I love to get control. Yeah. Um, I do, and one of the biggest things that you sort of go back to is like is the principles again, your values, like. Defenders defend, don't they? The Jim yeah. Collis saying they defend. One of the biggest things that I see now is like probably the one that frustrates me the most is fullbacks not stopping crosses. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you're a fullback, you know, listen, I want the fullback to attack. I want him to be creative. I want him to have all the touches. But do you know what? Remember the basics. Like, remember as a fullback, it would be come around, cover your centre halves. And then if the ball's on your side, win your duel, stop the cross, and you had a good game. Now, yeah. I've I know the game's evolving, and, and I get that, and I love it. But it's not—it's not hard to get that value into a fullback. So let's start with that, and then teach them the rest. Um, and I, I look at it now, and listen. I think we are looking at it. I think we've got some top, top fullbacks going forward, um, and I think we've got some top centre halves who can who can build and play. Yeah. But let's be honest, we're not the best defensively. No, um, but is that because we've moved away from it slightly? I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's up for discussion, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. But in general, you're optimistic about you know, you know the journey that English football's on, and, you know, in the last few years, and, and what you expect to see going forward. Yeah, I think obviously I spent all last um, last last year, uh, 2019, down at St George's, um, working through my badges. Um, 
So I got to see what the what the model was in the very for me they're very clear on what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, the message of the players are very very clear. Um, I just hope they stick with it because I like it, and I hope they just keep developing it and, and tweaking it. Um, so yeah, I like it, and I think there's some top top players coming through the academies oh, at the moment. By the way. Yeah. Um, huge huge pool of talented young players. I think on the periphery of the England team now for sure. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because uh, going back to the the, the courses with, with Dick Bay, um, he was saying that we'll produce some world class centre arse. Funny enough, when we're talking about the future game, yeah. he thought that. We, we had centre arse who could defend, but they'll be able to play. But so if you look at it now, we're actually creating world, not world class, but players who've got potential to be world class wingers, um, which none of us thought that would that would come. So, but I think that's the modern game now, isn't it? The way the way the, every club's doing their the training models, the one v ones attacking, um, the new S and C stuff, so they're more explosive, they're more agile. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I just hope they stick with it. Yeah, I mean, I have to say that we've we've talked a lot about defending um, and and maybe the the whole we have in our knowledge and experience and processes at the moment on defending, but I still love to see expansive football and exciting football, and I, and I love yeah. that England has got exciting footballers who you know one v one can can do it against the best in the world, and uh, you know I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we go on and we win a, we, we win a major tournament in the next next three tournaments. Um, because I think we, we we've got more to worry other teams than they've got to worry us. Uh, no, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Good. Okay. Final point. We're uh, we're up to an hour. Um, it always flies by, pal. Talking to you, we, uh, as you say, we could talk talk for for hours, days, and I'm sure we will continue to do so. But um, in the future, what's uh, what's Mikey Morton expecting the next? You know. You're 18 years into your coaching career, and to be honest, you're still a pup in some respects. Um, you know, really? Compared to some of the older, you know, to the older and more experienced people out there, you've got so much time, um, and I'm sure you're going to go on and achieve an awful lot. But what do you see in the future holding for you? Um, good question. I think, I think obviously, like, um, I've, if I'm funny, I've sort of mapped everything out. I wanted to experience all different areas of the game, yeah, and then sort of pick somewhere where I want to go. So I think that was probably one of the reasons of sort of coming back into Leeds as well and um, sort of having a look at the, the, the YDP stage again, having a look at youth. And um, if I'm honest, um, I probably see myself, I'd like to sort of go back into sort of the management game, but in it won't be right now. So I've got so much more to learn. Um, but I, I sort of see myself sort of going down that direction of, or a coach, first team coach. I like the... Uh, I just I like the the environment with with the men, um, and I like the the sort of winning and losing aspect of it. Um, if I'm honest, I love I love you know me. I love youth development. I love helping players. I love seeing it. Um, but obviously, in this country, there's you know there's not leagues. There's, there's not a massive emphasis on winning and losing at a young age, which is rightly so. Because developing, I still think there should be a small part of it in there because um, I think that's what the first team's about. But you can't. For me, like it's the buzz of that that winning and losing and knowing where it falls on you. Um, yeah. If you lose, that's the drug. Goal. That's the drug. That's that's the drug, isn't it? I know it's I know it's really really it's a kind of long with a slower burner when young players go on and either are successful in the game or in life in general and you've influenced them in some small way. I know that's hugely satisfying, you know, to, to you and to, and to me and to to anyone. But um, the drug and the highs and the lows. Um, 
the big hits come from the winning and losing in those environments, don't they? Yeah, of course. I, this, I, I just think it. You know, you've obviously been in it, and it's it is. It's addictive, isn't it? It's addictive. But I, same as like youth development, I love what I'm doing. Um, I'm quite. I could quite happily work in youth development for another five, ten years. I'm in no rush. Um, but um, I do see myself in the future having another pop at, at managing um, and having a good go at it. Well, I think I think with your accumulated experience and the layers that you've added, you know, have, having various management jobs as well as so much so much you know time out of the training ground, producing so many great plays over the years, I think you're a, you know there's there's a hybrid model out there that, that, that you know is a great blend of old school and new school, and uh, then you're not going to look very much further than you for uh, for that kind of that kind of model. So, Mikey, I'm going to draw it to a close there. Um, been an absolute pleasure. Um, I re really really um just engaging we all you know same with anyone with you know anyone who's been on we've had some wonderful guests on here so far very talented people um and i, I just I, you know i just think your, your opinions and what you put across in this are going to make people think are going to people are going to enjoy listening to them and, and they're going to enjoy learning more about you as a person i think as well and uh, I, I certainly you know i learned a little bit more about you even though i know you reasonably well um, every time we speak and I, and I love that about it so um, thanks so much for your time I really appreciate it I know you're a busy man um, best wishes um, with uh, with Leeds United and um, the short term and I'm sure you'll be a big success wherever you do or wherever you go cheers Kev thanks for having me on and listen just, just one thing like everybody you've had on has been excellent and just keep doing the, the good work that you're doing I think I think it's important that we, we share everything and, and uh, obviously if with all the hard work that you're putting, I think I think it's been great, and I'm pretty sure you'll keep going and keep getting uh, loads of good coaches and managers on. So, uh, thanks for having me on. It's a it's a pleasure. Top man, top man. Pleasure's all mine. Right, uh, I'm going to go and uh, probably have to. I've probably got some puddles to sweep up in the in this uh, this wet Spanish day. So, uh, look after yourself, pal. Thanks. Thanks so much again. No worries, mate. Cheers. Cheers, Mikey. Bye, bye, mate. Well.